are listening to Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show about books, people who read, and how reading at its very best is a social experience. Whether it be a book club, a poetry slam, or the production of a play, words are meant to be shared. There is the old philosophical question. If a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it make a sound? Likewise, if you read a book and don't discuss it, have you enjoyed all the perks of being a book lover? I'm your host, Amy. I've been a member of numerous book clubs over the last 25 years and started quite a few. I love asking people what they're reading so that they'll ask me the same. I'm a vintage bookseller, a traveler wannabe, and a fanatic about dogs. And I'm your host, Carrie. I'm an English teacher, a freelance writer, a blogger, and the person whose Instagram feed features more photos of my cats than my kids. Each week, we will talk with a guest who shares the love of reading, how they impart that passion, and what books really catch them on fire. We will also tell you about our literary lives, what books are on our nightstands, and other bookish fun. Welcome. Listeners, we hope you're enjoying our show. And if you like what we do, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It only takes a minute, but it's incredibly important to help other listeners find us. As a book lover, there are two things I've often fantasized about doing. Being a bookseller and writing my own novel would be at the tippy top of the list. Our guest today, Kim Collette Ballard, has hit the book nerd jackpot. She's a book buyer for Riot Bookseller, a new independent bookstore and wine bar in the small town of Bardstown, Kentucky, a place known for its bourbon distilleries and being at the heart of the bourbon trail. She helped the manager and owner develop the book bar concept in this quaint tourist town about 45 minutes outside of Louisville, Kentucky. She's also the author of a young adult novel, Running on Empty, published in 2014 and winner of several regional awards for young adult fiction. And while she has several other novels on the back burner, she's very honest about the extreme highs and sometimes extreme lows you can experience during the publishing process. Kim talks to us about the great features Riot Bookseller has added to make coming into their bookstore feel like hanging out with friends, the experience that sparked her journey to writing her first book, and why she stopped reading for a while, but vows to never let that happen again. We have gone on the road, we have taken our microphones, and we have traveled to the adorable little town of Bardstown, Kentucky. And there is a new bookstore here called Riot Bookseller. And it is adorable when you walk in. And they have wine. It is a book slash wine bar. We are here with Kim Ballard, and she is sort of a jack of all trades here at the bookstore, and she's going to tell us all about it. So welcome, Kim. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having us. So can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Well, I have three children. I, I work here as a buyer, sales I pick out the books for the most part, whether they come to me through uh, recommendations from other people or do a little research, see what's current. Did you grow up here in Bardstown, Kentucky? I grew up in Bloomfield, which is a 15-minute drive from here. So I've been around Bardstown all my life. So you had said that you had just gotten back from Vegas. Mm -hmm. So what were you doing in Vegas related to Riot Bookseller? Actually, it wasn't related to Riot Bookseller, but it was clothing market because we have Shaq and Coco is connected to Riot Bookseller. You know, the store started out as that. We've only had Riot for the last three months. That came about because we were kind of brainstorming on just what can we do different, shake things up a little. And that was born out of that because I'm a huge book lover. And so naturally I was like, how about books? And we all loved wine and 
the owner and manager had said for a few years, it'd be really cool if we sold wine because a lot of people come here for gifts. So what goes with wine? For me, books, why not? Why, if people sell books and coffee, coffee houses, why not? Why wouldn't this work? I mean, put the best two things ever Absolutely. <laughs> so Nothing better than wine Although for books. me, I'm, I'm a lightweight. So usually when I have a glass of wine, it impedes the reading, but only temporarily. <laughs> so where did the name come about? I'm curious about the name, Riot Bookseller. The owner has uh, giant schnauzers, and Shaq and Coco, which is the original part of the store, they're named for her dogs. And then, so Riot is another dog that she <laughs> got a couple years ago. So she kind of wanted to keep that theme going. And then bookseller, we spell it like seller, like a wine seller. Ah, and so, you know, fun. It's a so play on that's, words. Yeah. That's, so that's awesome. How that and Amy is a, is a, a huge, dog yeah. lover. So, so I'm especially <laughs> excited now that I know that the names of the stores are based on dogs. <laughs> I'm crushing a little bit on that. <laughs> so you said originally it was Shaq and Coco. Yes. And so since anybody who's going to listen to this is not going to be able to see right. where we are, yes. what do you carry on that side of the store? We have clothing, furniture, gifts. We do bridal registries. Uh, we're getting our online store up and running. It's, it's still in early stages. The top seller overall probably is the funny socks. We have some funny socks uh, Blue Q is oh, the brand. I love the and Blue Q. Yes, and they just have theirs. a lot of really quirky, and we sell those by the stacks a lot of times, especially around Christmas. They're great for sturdy Santa gifts. Mm-hmm. And In fact, like we've that, talked so. about that <laughs> yeah. on the show before. <laughs> what what do book lovers seem to have in common? Wine, coffee, books, quirky socks. Yes. <laughs> you know, right, right. those things so. just go together. I don't right. know why. There we go. We've got it. So how long did it take from the time that you all had the idea for the bookstore, have it come to fruition? Uh, We started talking about it, so about a year ago, like last September, doing some brainstorming, and then opened May, May 15th was our soft opening. Yeah, we worked on it pretty hard. I did a lot of research for the books and and things like that just to start us off. And and we had to do renovations too, because we just kind of updated Kara Blanford, amazing artist, local. Uh, she did the mural out there on the wall, and she, she had done some other cool, fun prop things for us before. So we had. Is she had a local a, artist? Yes, she is. She lives here in Bardstown. Yeah, she's amazing. I'm gonna take some pictures and post it on our, on our Facebook yeah. and Instagram, y'all. Yeah. But it is cute. Yes, this yeah. this shop is adorable, adorable. Thank you. Well, I'm curious. So you said that you do a lot of the buying of the books. So mm-hmm. how do you determine what you're gonna have in stock in the store? A lot of people give recommendations, and I just look up stuff to see what's current. So, so obviously, yeah. I mean, you have limited space. So you can't be a, a Barnes & Noble. Right. You right. are a small bookstore that can only carry so many books. And I, I looked on your shelves a little bit, and you have a nice mix of some contemporary fiction, but also some really pretty classic books with very pretty covers and things. Mm-hmm. So what kind of mix of books do, do you look for? for or is, is there a particular genre that you think you carry more of um I, at first I didn't have a whole lot of historical fiction for example and then I realized I was like oh gosh and several people came in asking for that so I had to get a little bit more I tried to get books that men might like or there's some funny books it's a really wide range there's a little bit of children's books and honestly some Kentucky books that the owner really wanted people 
that were Kentucky authors. So we do have several of those. I had like a little inside knowledge to that. So I, I did order some of the Kentucky authors that I know. And, and we have several books on Kentucky and horses because that's a popular thing. And of course, bourbon. I mean, yes. bourbon capital of the world right here in Bardstown. And so I made sure to get several. And those always sell well. It's something I actually wanted to ask you about because Bardstown is considered sort of the bourbon capital of everywhere. <laughs> and this is the seat of the Bourbon Trail. If anyone are bourbon fans out there, there's lots of different distilleries you can visit. So what made you think to pair the books with wine? I mean, it seems like a natural pairing, but this being such a bourbon-centric right, place, right. did you consider doing a book in bourbon or was it always a wine? Not to say that we wouldn't have a special event with, you know, books in bourbon mm-hmm. or anything, but there's a lot of bourbon here in this town so we're just we're okay with letting them have their have their bourbon but sometimes you know we like a little wine too so tell us a little bit about Bardstown as a community what's it like it's a great community it's a great place to live I've lived in Bardstown in the city limits you know like five years total it's it's very nice it feels safe to me I mean we have our regular people that come in here almost like every Saturday I've met a lot of new people and and there were some that I knew but I really do enjoy talking with the customers and just seeing them staying in touch because they're not only our customers they've gotten to be friends and you know just really supportive of of the store and help keep things going We noticed that where you're located, it's on this main strip here in historic Bardstown. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I would assume you stay pretty busy. It looks like there's people about, Mm -hmm. a farmer's market. So does that help with being located right here, kind of in the center of everything? Yes, we think so, because we get a lot of tourists for the Bourbon Trail, and that's really good. You know, we depend on the slower months, February, January, hoping our locals come out and the manager, he does a lot of social media to let people know what's going on or, you know, sales. The weekends, Fridays and Saturdays, are really a lot of tourists out, so that helps. Yeah. You mentioned slow months. Mm-hmm. So would you say that that's one of the challenges yes. of having a bookstore and, a, and a, I guess, any kind of shop? Yes, the slow months and just sometimes it seems very random, like you think it's going to be really busy because it's a Saturday and then it's just slow sometimes. You, you never know. Saturdays are usually the best day, but sometimes Fridays. And But yes, definitely retail, you never know. There could be a busload dropped off. <laughs> you have 20 people in the store and then uh, there might be an hour where nobody comes in. And it could be 20 people that either buy stuff or don't buy stuff. So it, it's just completely unpredictable is one of the good things and the most frustrating things about it. Are there any other bookstores in Bardstown? Not not right now. There hasn't been one here for about five years. And so our locals seem really excited about that. Everybody that's coming in are just like, I'm so excited that there's a bookstore here in town again. And especially because we have wine too. So they're <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's a bonus. So people seem very very receptive and very excited about it so and and the books have been doing really well so we're excited because the ebooks were such a thing for a while and when we did our research it seems to be the actual paper you know is back back. you know people didn't want to give that up and and also amazon you can shop there all day but you don't get that sense of community you don't get to go in and touch the books and feel the books and just look and just the whole experience and we're hoping with, when people get wine sometimes and just, you know, just relax and just come in and enjoy the process a little bit more. 
And the space you have, there's a, a big couch area. Did I see that right? Mm -hmm. There's a big yes. couch. So it, it, Two it's, large couches. Yeah, it's very, yes. it looks very yes. inviting where you would yes. want to come in. And if you see a book that interests you, you'd feel like, oh, I can sit down yeah. and yes. you know, page through it. The window seats, too. We have the large upholstery where you can sit in the window seats, which I'm always want to do but I'm always like <laughs> you're working busy, I can't. So I'm like, those big sofas remind me a little bit of the friends set in yeah, the right? daily perk yeah, yeah. I don't know was yes. that intentional I don't or? think so we never really talked about that but it always has reminded me because I'm a huge friends fan but yeah, uh, that's what it reminded yeah. me of yeah it's pretty great so you mentioned that, that the manager, Zach, that he does a lot of promotion through social media mm -hmm. and that you all have events. So can you tell us about some of the events that you've had and also be some upcoming ones? We had a wine and chocolate pairing night. There's a local lady, Chocolates by Gigi. She's awesome. I've known her for years. And she made some special chocolates for us. And, and she came that night and brought her family and some friends. And people really seem to love that. So you got a a bag of chocolates and we had I think four different kinds of chocolate and four different wine pairings that we did and people really seemed to have a good time and it, it was ticketed it was 30 people was what we maxed because it was our first time doing that event for our soft opening we had an author signing we had Jim Higdon who wrote the cornbread mafia oh, yeah yeah so it's a very popular book around here and because uh, it's it's about some events that happen not yes. far from here correct yes it was the largest uh, marijuana bust in American history. So it's really interesting. We sell a lot of those. And uh -huh. so he came and did a did a talk and signing, and that was our soft opening. And so we had a lot of people come out for that, a lot of, a lot of local support. So that was awesome. And then we have book clubs. We have other people's book clubs. And then we, we just kind of started our own. We're, we're not actually calling it a club, but we're doing a discussion once a month. Just who's ever read it. So you don't feel pressure like, oh, I've got to read this for my book club. If you like the book and you read it and you want to come and hang out and you know, have a glass of wine, talk about the book. So we just started our last one a few weeks ago and did Educated, which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. Was that the first book club that you had? It was, yes. Okay. It was our first book discussion. Okay. Yes. And you have one coming up, I think? Yes. What's uh, the book for where that? Where the Crawdads Sing. Okay. We, you know, we thought we'd start out with a couple really popular ones just to, you know, let people know yes. and get more people in. But I actually just started reading that one last night so uh -huh. I'm a few chapters in but yeah it's it's already got me I'm excited I was kind of de delaying starting it because then I get obsessed and then I would get nothing done yes and, uh, <laughs> so I was like I can't I don't have time but anyway I was like pressure yeah I want to make sure I get it or the book discussion I want to make sure I finish it so so you said other book clubs also come here to have their meetings mm -hmm. do they have to call to reserve a space or how does that work they can just decide um, they're gonna come we, in we encourage them to call let us know sometimes we'll move chairs around or whatever we may wait to see what they're doing and how many people they're gonna have and things and everybody does something different sometimes people want to bring food you know and it's kind of new we've only been open about three months mm -hmm. so we're just figuring it out ourselves. So. Well, I think that's a really cool aspect that people can come in from the community that's not necessarily your book discussion group, but can use it as a meeting place. You don't always see with other right. One of the stores. benefits of being right. in a small town and being in a common area. Right, yeah. exactly, yes. When you all were imagining opening this bookstore, did you have a bookstore in mind that you were... Modeling. modeling it after no I, we did not know that selling wine and books was even a thing 
they had thought of carrying wine in the store for years. And it was funny because I sent the owner some pictures. I got on Pinterest of these cute little bookstores. And there was a couple pages that just had a glass of wine sitting there or like somebody was drinking a beer. It didn't have necessarily a whole setting. It was just like one randomly. And I didn't think anything about it. And she called and she was like, this is a thing. I can't remember if she Googled something because I simply was going by pictures on Pinterest. I just think these cool little bookstores. There's one in Denver and New York and a mm-hmm. couple in Chicago. I had no idea. I was like, what? Y'all are <laughs> ahead of your time <laughs> in a small town. I know. I was, and she was like, this is a really cool idea. I think this could work. And I was, wow. And, and, and it's really funny because my sister, I have a sister that lives in Maine. And I had mentioned it to her. We were talking. And she was like, there is a book bar because they, they're called book bars. She said, there's a book bar where I used to live in Biddeford, Maine. And I used to go there all the time. And I was like, what? Are you serious? And Why didn't you take me? She, I know, <laughs> she, she was like, it's amazing. It's the best place ever. And so I had no idea. And there's some overseas because we did a little bit more research. It's, it seems to be in like the bigger cities. And also in Bardstown. <laughs> exactly. I know, right? If you can have all the bourbon, why can't? Why not? Mine, right? <laughs> So you were saying that you do some of the buying for the gift side of the store, the shack and cocoa part, but you also do the buying for the bookstore. So are there any differences or similarities between those two processes, between gift items Mm -hmm. and books? Well, when I've gone to the clothing markets, like I've been to Chicago and Las Vegas market twice, it's like this huge trade show and all these booths and it's oh my gosh, what are we going to order for the store? And and this time we all separated, which I was really nervous about because I hadn't been on my own doing it. Because it's a lot of pressure to be like, what are people going to like? And the correct price point and everything. So that was a completely different experience for me. The books was simply mostly me just researching and the owner reads a lot and she had several recommendations she was like I really like this book I mean so a lot of it was just personal preference books not necessarily what's popular or what's you know hot right now and some of them were older books and so it was quite different really just a different process yeah. so have you had customers come in and want you to order mm-hmm. yes. certain things mm-hmm. we have you? but and we're not Amazon once again <laughs> yeah. so I, I tell them I said okay but are you in a hurry for it because the companies have these minimums you have to order a minimum amount or you have to order so much and then you get free shipping so in order for it to be cost effective you know i try to wait and consolidate with that company and because there is a lot of publishers and a lot of different imprints that they have so it can get really confusing i have to keep my reps separate i have this whole list so it it can get confusing it was harder in the beginning now i'm getting to know who who represents what and what i can order and yeah as long as everybody's not in a big hurry then it then it works out well when we came in we just came to the back to record so we haven't had a chance to browse although that is going to be one of the things we do when we (laughs) and a glass of wine (laughs) and a glass of wine so you have the books but do you carry like book inspired things like t-shirts or bags or scarves or anything like that because i know it again right it wine books right crazy socks but also you know like t-shirts preferably with cats and books on (laughs) (laughs) right right um we are in the process we're going we're talking about getting some more like some t-shirts and things like that we have some book totes and we have some socks you've got some cute are, mugs out there yeah coffee oh, mugs. oh that's right yes we do have some coffee mugs that are book related but we are talking about getting some t-shirts and sweatshirts so i think that we'll have 
some some of those things like before Christmas for gifts. We're kind of easing into it a little bit mm-hmm. because we have a, a lot going on on the other side too. So we're just trying to and balance it out, especially because we just did renovations order book and inventory and then now we just went to clothing market for the other so we're trying to it's balance a lot of it balls out. to keep up in the <laughs> it, air yeah it is it is so we're trying to spread it out a little and ease into things so but we're hoping to have some what some do you think some of the challenges are of opening a small independent bookstore in a small town local support like we hope really you depend a lot on that I mean we're lucky because we're a tourist town but at the same time you you just really hope for that local support the slower times so we're hoping for repeat customers and uh-huh. things like that so yeah. and it certainly doesn't hurt that you're the only bookstore right in town. exactly exactly so, so would Bardstown residents I mean where would they go other than if they saw something at maybe a Walmart would they have to drive all the way into Louisville to go to a bookstore yes oh wow mm-hmm. yeah or, or E-Town okay that's, that's a little bit it's a little bit closer but Louisville's about a 45 minute right, drive right. Yes. from Bardstown and E-Town's more like 25 30 okay. yeah okay so not terrible but if you really want to enjoy a bookstore setting then so we're we're here. We're, <laughs> we're waiting. <laughs> is there a particular book or particular genre that has been really popular among your customers so far? You know, it seems pretty spread out. I would say if I had to pick one, maybe I want to say women's fiction, you know, but then we sell women's romance, but we always sell a lot of bourbon, bourbon books. And, but I would say probably women's fiction if I had to pick one. You know, you haven't been around that long yet, and I'm sure that you have some ideas that as you go on, if it's successful, that you can do more. Do you have other things that you're wanting to do with the bookstore? Probably more events. Zachary's in charge of the event planning. He does an amazing job. Everybody was super excited. We sold out of the wine and chocolate pairing night. So, and we'll probably do some more author signings and things like that when we can have a minute <laughs> yeah, to, to, to breathe. So we're excited about those type of things. That's something we want to do. Say somebody from Louisville wanted to come visit and check you all out. What are your hours during the weekend on weekends? Uh-huh. Right now, our hours are 10 to 7, and that's Tuesday through Saturday. There's been things that we've stayed open, you know, a little later for, or like if we've had an event or something, but basically it's 10 to 7. Tuesday through Tuesday, Saturday. Yeah, Tuesday through Saturday, yeah. All right. And you all do have a Facebook page. That's actually where we discovered you all. We're and Instagram. And Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Kim about books that we're reading and books that she's writing. So not only are you very integral to this whole new bookstore venture, but you're a writer yourself. Yes. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So I'm a young adult writer. I have a book published called Running on Empty that came out about five years ago. It took me, let's just say, a 17-year journey. It took me two years for this particular novel because I wrote a lot of things just learning how to write because I didn't know anything I just knew I was very passionate about it and I had been since I was a small child I've decided that hey I'm gonna give this a try I've learned a lot I worked really really hard and started entering contests that's one of the things that helped me build a resume and I entered a SCBWI which is Society of Children's Writers I forget the initials but 
Uh-huh. You can Google it because yeah. it's a really awesome organization. It's a national organization and they have different regions that, where they have conferences that are fairly reasonable priced to go to. Met a lot of people through that. It, that's where I met my critique group through one of the threads on over email and somebody said, hey, I'm in the Louisville area. I'm thinking about starting a critique group. Is anybody interested? Right? Edgy young adult and I was like yes that's me so then I joined this critique group there's a total of six of us but we all live in or near Louisville we probably meet it ends up happening maybe once a month because everybody has other jobs or kids or other obligations yes yes so it's it's kind of hard to do but we get together and we we always would submit pages probably around 10 give or take some at a time critique each other's work and we did this for free and for fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> People are like, why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's like you're in class and somebody's, here's your red pen and there's your teacher. and But you have five other people doing that for your work. Say, give or take a chapter and just going through it. And this works for me. This doesn't. And five different people that think differently. And I can hear their voices in my head if I'm writing anything and just be like, oh, this one's going to notice this, this one's going to notice this. And so so on this particular book, I probably wrote a rough draft of it for about a year and then met my critique group, which was about 10 years ago, and then rewrote for another year probably, took all their advice and critiques into account and wrote it for, I mean, not quite another year because then it was time to look for an agent. I did get an agent, which... I got the agent fairly fast, but the book deal didn't follow it. It took another, maybe another year. It's a, it's long, a long process. <laughs> a labor of love. Yes, it really is because with writing, you write the book first, you take the chance, you get no pay for it. You know, you just have to take a chance and, and work really hard, and then and then the pay comes later if the agent is able to sell the book to a publisher. Well, tell us a little bit about what the book is about, and is the idea an idea that you'd had for a long time that you wanted to write about? This is really bizarre, and it kind of sounds cheesy and cliche, but <laughs> this particular book, I had a dream. I saw this one particular scene and I woke up crying, like sobbing, crying. But I could see the scene was these three girls and they were running away. But there was also just a whole lot of emotion and these girls were running away. That's what stuck in my head. It was almost like as I was seeing through her eyes and feeling her emotions and what could make her so distraught and two of her friends run away with her. It was just a really vivid because I was already writing at the time. I was already doing other writing and, you know, just figuring out how to do it and how to get published and things like that. I'd already had some some really good contests that I had gotten awards in and things like that. And so I just I just kept asking myself that question until I, I felt like I got a, a voice for the character. And I just went with that and just figured it out. And I didn't know a whole lot about writing an actual novel. I was kind of interested in um, children's books at the time, younger, because I I think I always wanted to write a novel, but I just thought, I don't know how to do it. It seems overwhelming. That's crazy. Who does that? I don't know anybody else. I lived in a tiny little town. You know, one red light. Be realistic. I just thought about that for a while, maybe a year that I, I would daydream about it all the time. And then I found one of the contests, enter 30 pages, and you get two critiques back from, it could be authors, librarians. 
I just thought, you know, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to try it. I'm going to give myself permission to do these 30 pages and the beginning of the book. And I didn't have very long to do it. I had about six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. And I just thought, I'm going to give it a try because I didn't want to live with coulda, shoulda, woulda, and just, you never know. So I entered it, and the, the first time that I entered it, I was a finalist. There was eight finalists. It was a pretty big contest, and I was so excited. I was absolutely shocked. I was like, oh, my gosh. It gives you some validation. It did. That it gave me what the, you're doing, yes, you know. Yes, And I got my critiques back from the more experienced writers. They were so positive and so great, even though, honestly, looking back, it was not that good. <laughs> it was just like, now I realize, I was like, oh, I don't know. There was a lot of stuff that could have been improved that now would drive me crazy if I would have read what what they read. But they were focused on the content that they. They really probably liked. saw some raw talent. <laughs> they did that with a yes, little bit yes, of yes, you know, yes, honing, polish, a little yes, polish. I needed a lot of polish. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was so excited about it, and so I was just like, just go ahead write this book so I I gave myself permission to write that and you know I was a stay-at-home mom for a while I raised three kids during during this but whenever they were napping or going to school or off you know I mean I treated it as much as I could like a full-time job and even though I wasn't getting any pay I was just trying to make use of every minute I was kind of obsessed (laughs) and you just have to be really passionate if you're gonna do this you just have to you don't go in it for the money, and you don't go in it thinking you're going to make money. Or even, honestly, I mean, my goal was to get published. I was very, very persistent. You have to just love it, because who works for free, you know, mm-hmm. um, for a long time? So. You were working for yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You said you were inspired by the dream. Did it take you a long time? You, you said you were trying to figure out what would make a girl and her friends do this. Mm-hmm. So gave yourself permission to do it. Did you decide pretty quickly on what it was that led to that? Or did you struggle no, with figuring that um, out? That was pretty quick. That was a pretty quick decision that I came up with. I mean, I don't think I thought about it very long at all after that dream because it wouldn't get out of my mind. And I think I came up with the reason very, very early on. And then I was like, oh, that would do it. Well, actually, I could say what the thing is because it's it's on the back of the book. Spoiler it's not a spoiler. Alert. If yeah. it's on the back. <laughs> if it's on the back. Exactly. What happens is she kills her boyfriend in self-defense. So that would make you that upset your girlfriends run away with you temporarily. But, so uh, is it from her point of view? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so you were sort of in her head yes. or she was in your head. Yes. And I've heard other writers say that sometimes the story kind of writes itself. Like if you're writing from a particular character's yes. point of view, that they tell you what's yes. going to happen. Did, so did you find that? Yes. yes. And people ask me, why did you pick young adult to write? I'm obviously not, not a young adult. I'm in my 40s. I always say I, I did not pick young adult. It picked me mm-hmm. because that's just the voice. It made sense to me. Like that's what I heard in my head. And that's what I saw through her eyes, which is very bizarre for people that don't write, I think, to understand. But that's just that's just the way it was. I could hear dialogue and not You could not hear her voice almost. Everything I saw, heard, felt. When you would go back then, and even maybe now, do you read it with different eyes because of what you've learned? Because I freelance write, and sometimes, you know, I will write something and I'll submit it, but it's not published until 
three months later or six months later or whatever. And sometimes I read it and I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I I should change this. So even though it's published or in that process, when you were writing it and you would maybe go back and look, did you have that experience where you would change things even though? Oh, yes. That it's in print. Honestly, I was so excited to get this final copy. So I have several friends that are published authors. They came before me and I was always so like oh can you wait till you get your book like in print and then read it and they're all like uh we don't read it after it <laughs> and I'm just like what I would totally read my book and I've thought that for you know mm-hmm. for a while and but I have never gone back I've read bits and pieces because I've done book signings or been on author panels where they want you to read a little bit or a first page or just a snippet of it but I've never been able to read the whole thing because of that exact reason because I still I see things oh gosh I could have changed even if it's just one word it's just I'll drive myself crazy but it is kind of funny because there's been moments where I would read it and I was like I don't remember writing that <laughs> because like you, you get these deadlines sometimes in your revisions from your editor and they're like okay it's got to be finished in this and you have to sometimes you have to come up with a whole new concept or a whole new chapter or a whole new whatever and you write it quickly and then sometimes it's really exciting well, I'm like dang I wrote that <laughs> like woo you know yay me but most of the time I'm extremely critical of every single word but there's moments where I'm like man that was that was good. Yeah. <laughs> so. Are you still writing and are you still meeting with your group? I still meet with my group and I, I don't write a lot. They've been nudging me, but I was supposed to have a second book. I got a two book deal and it was supposed to come out the year after the first one, but the publishing company I was with dissolved and that second book never came out. And so that was, um, that was really, really hard because I spent about a year writing and then revising that. I was on my second or third round of revisions with the editor. So that was extremely wow. hard. And yeah, there was a long process involved after that. And uh, Did you feel a little down and maybe burned oh. about that and oh. be wanting to <laughs> yes. a little distance? Yeah. I really did. I, I was crushed because anybody that writes fiction I think would understand your characters are kind of real (laughs) to you and you just feel I worked so hard and for 17 years towards the goal and I finally got published and I was getting ready to have the second book and you know people were excited because it was on one of the other characters Mm. it was going to be her story and she's been one of the favorites Kat has been one of the favorites of a lot of people and she's like the total badass of the group (laughs) so I felt like I let people down and it was just really it was just a really hard time so I kind of walked away a little bit but I do still I write a little bit and I and I'm gonna get it together I promise (laughs) but it just hasn't quite happened yet because life has kind of taken over I I have other ideas for other books and I've written three complete novels only one published at this point but I've started other ones and so so I'm hopeful because that publisher dissolved could some other publisher pick that up and they could at this point because I have the rights back in my name okay and so that could happen I haven't sought it out myself because honestly I just was crushed and you know then life changes happen right after that but I am hopeful and I still do have my critique group and they're amazing. We've been together 10 years and we still meet. They're supportive. There there are some of us that at different times have stepped back from the writing and then 
they're still supportive and they haven't kicked me out yet so I'm really excited <laughs> about that and well, you're still reading their stuff and critiquing it um yeah? you know I haven't for a while it was hard for me because when I read their stuff and critique it it just makes me want to do mine you know even more I mean like it's very inspiring and I you know and I want to do theirs and I want to do mine but it's also felt like my heart was you know I couldn't even honestly after all the book stuff fell apart I couldn't even read for a while because mm-hmm. it was just hard wow well I think I, I mean it sounds like it's one of those things where if you just almost like you get a bug for something you know and then when you're around that mm-hmm. you're flooded with that passion to want to do it yes, and yes. that's a hard feeling if yes. you know you can't for yes. whatever reason right and so it's almost easier to just remove yourself so that you don't like oh, yes. I don't want to I don't want to want that, that craving again right. Yeah, right. yeah the writing was I guess my crack we used to say that sometimes <laughs> yeah. in our critique group it's like you know everybody has a different thing it, and it's hard to put it down when you don't have time to do it and I'm gonna I, I want to make time but it's funny because I didn't expect working at the bookstore we had never carried my book in here it wasn't even a thought in my head I don't know why it, that doesn't really make sense but I didn't really think about us carrying my book I use my middle name and things for the book and a lot of people don't really know you know about it I mean there there are plenty of people that do but I don't really talk about it much what's the name that you use I use Colette Ballard on the book I've always wanted a little bit of separation but most of the people I know use some kind of variants of their name as as their pen name just to keep life a little separate because this is I'm a different character when I'm writing I'm not I'm not me so I feel like it's a little separate but yeah I didn't expect all the interest and the support the owner and the manager they were like get your book in here get your book in here and so so I did but I'm still shocked I don't know why but you know there's local people that know me and then sometimes when people don't know me and they pick out the book in there it's it's really kind of funny because most of the time I don't tell them <laughs> like I check them out but I don't tell them well they're missing an opportunity for an author signature or either their own personal author talk right, really right. yes yes it's in fact there was a lady that's oh my gosh one of my very favorite customers she comes in just about every Saturday absolutely love her so she's in the library just did their first book club they formed a a new extra book club or merged two book club so they wanted to do the kickoff here at riot but they wanted to do it on my book she was like would you come and talk to or would you be here i don't have to come because i'm already here (laughs) and i was like sure so one of my best customers did not know that it was me and so we always talk every Saturday when she comes. I'm like, what are you reading? We talk about books or just whatever. And she was like, oh, I'm reading this Running on Empty by Colette Bauer. Because I did not know she was in the library book club that was going to come. I kind of laughed because I thought she was going to say, but she didn't say anything else. And so I was like, oh, well, I'm just not going to say anything because I didn't want her to have a biased opinion. I wanted her to feel like she can talk to the book club with her people. And so... She actually missed that night, and she still had no idea. And one of the ladies had texted her, one of her friends, oh, you know the author. And she came in the store last Saturday, and she came in, and she was like, oh, my gosh, why didn't you ever tell me? I had, because I've been here four years, and she's been coming in for, like, four years. Like, that you was, had this, al- this alternate life that she had no <laughs> idea about. She was like, what? And Your she alter like, ego. <laughs> and, well, and she said it was so funny because she looked in the back of the book. I know that girl. She looks familiar. But I had my hair, like, kind of curled a little oh. different. And she, different name, you know, because uh-huh. I use my middle. As an avid reader yourself, is there a book that you're super passionate about that you've 
read recently? Yes, I'm so passionate about Educated by Tara Westover. That's a good one. I read that one <sighs> recently. Absolutely love it. A memoir. Um, it's amazing. I wish it would be required reading in high school. I think it would be amazing because I feel like if you can get through what she got through, then you can do anything. Super excited. We were on our third order of that. I've, I, I'm just, I won't shut up about it. I know everybody's so, probably annoyed. So are you on your third order because people are requesting it or because you're telling people you need you to know, read this book? Some requests, but I get really excited about things. So either people feel threatened, like I'm going to hurt you if you don't buy this book, or they just feel like, oh, I want to read this because you you think it's so good. I, I'm a talker. Everybody here knows that. I think you can you know, just tell how excited I am. It's your basic, but on a amazing scale, dysfunctional family. Yes, yes. True story. Yes. Amazing what she went through. And I find it fascinating that, you know, that constant tug of family, even though she's getting her education and realizing some of the stuff that she was told when she was small is not necessarily what the truth is, but that constant pull, even as you get older, even as you're an adult, between your family and what you think in your mind is right. And I just thought that was very powerful. The story of the book is that the author grew up in a extremist Mormon family who also lived what we would call off the grid in Idaho. For instance, her parents didn't believe in sending them to schools, didn't really believe in sending them to the doctor because they were worried that the government was going to track them that way. So even though they were supposedly homeschooled, that really didn't happen after the author was maybe the age of eight. But she wanted to be able to get some learning and go to college, so she sort of taught herself and then went on to Brigham Young. And then eventually she got a PhD from, it was either Oxford or Cambridge. Cambridge. And her story was just amazing. Profound. Uh, Yes. Yes. That was awesome. <laughs> so you're back to reading, which is yes, good. you're back to reading. <laughs> right? um, I, I kind of eased into it, and yes, nobody should ever stop reading. <laughs> by the way, but well, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to ask you your top five. Amy and I are on the road today, and we are at Riot Bookseller in historic Bardstown, and we are talking with Kim Ballard, and we are going to ask her her top five. So, Kim, what is your top place to go in Bardstown besides Riot Bookseller, and why? Where would you recommend a, maybe a tourist coming down to go visit? Personally, I really like Nazareth, Sisters of Charity. There's They have a campus that's beautiful grounds. I like to walk or run there depending on how much energy I have or don't have. They have a nice cemetery to walk through. It's just beautiful trees. They have a lot of different things out there. There's a Montessori school out there. They have a beautiful church. It's just a really nice peaceful because I talk to people all day. Sometimes it's just my way to unwind. So I've been to Bardstown quite a few times and one of the places that I think is just an amazing place to go and it is on the bourbon trail so if you're into that that's even an extra incentive but even if you're not interested in bourbon at all 
the Maker's Mark grounds, and it's a little bit outside of Bardstown. I think it's in Loretto. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely beautiful. They have all kinds of old historic buildings that were there when they started making the bourbon. There's lots of little, like, pretty little creeks and things. The tour itself is extremely interesting and informative, but just the grounds themselves. It's what you imagine Kentucky would look like if you don't live in Kentucky. It's just picturesque and scenic and if you're a bourbon lover it's doubly fun because you can go into their gift store and buy a bottle of maker's mark if you are a bourbon person maker's mark is the one where they dip the top of it in red wax and it looks like it's it's coming down you can go in and dip your own bottle they show you how and you can stamp it yourself and it's kind of a you know a cool little thing to do so that would be my little plug for Bardstown, Kentucky. So you work here in this book wine cellar. What is your top wine that you like to drink? I really like the Pinot Grigio. That honestly seems to be the most popular one here too, but it's good. I like it with everything. <laughs> and it's really great for summer because it's nice and, yeah. and light. And yeah. I like wines that I can get using the Ibotta app. And <laughs> What is that? Ibotta? Yeah, it's an app. That if you go, you know, wherever you go to buy wine, if you buy certain bottles, it's like a coupon. It's like an online coupon. Oh, But okay. I figured out, because I don't really care what I drink, <laughs> I go and I just buy everything that's on sale and I end up saving like 20 bucks and you get it in cash back. Oh. So that's, I'll have to look into that's that. my top <laughs> wine. <laughs> All right. So, Kim, what is the top thing you love about running a bookstore? The people. I get really excited when somebody else is really excited about the books. I love to talk about the ones I've read and that I'm passionate about. And and honestly, it's really fun. I have to say, side note, my critique group, all of their books are in here except for one who wrote a computer manual years ago. So <laughs> we don't carry that in here. But um, but that's really exciting. And especially even when they pick them out without any direction from me. So that's really fun. But I love talking to people about books and, and just getting recommendations from them too. So after working in a retail shop where you have to talk to people all day long, maybe you get tired of talking sometimes, I don't know. <laughs> yes. But is there a top way that you like to relax? I really like to go to my boyfriend's house. He, he lives in the country. We've fixed up his little porch. He built a little awning for it so we can sit out there when it's raining or anything but it's really nice and there's candles out there and sometimes I read actually all of us that work here sometimes we're like okay I need to be by myself or really quiet <laughs> for a while so that's really that's nice. one of the dangers it. of the profession yes of retail yes. in yeah. general it's, yeah. even though you love talking about books sometimes you can actually get tired of talking about yeah. books and need a little <laughs> a little recuperative period exactly so. yes what is your top book that's set in a small town? I love, love, love Where the Heart Is. I read it years ago. It was the Oprah book club pick, and it, it's by Billy Joe Letts, and it's amazing. And they actually made a movie of it, too. Natalie Portman stars in it, and she was amazing. And it's honestly the only time I can think I can remember that I liked the movie as much as I did the book, and that's usually never the case. But I absolutely loved it. It's a it's a really good story. It's a sweet story. It'll make you laugh, cry. It's all of it. I love it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good recommendation for someone who lives in a small town to like a small town book. Well, it has been great being here in Riot Bookseller today. Y'all have been very welcoming. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Thank Pam. you so much for coming to visit.
So Carrie and I are here on an early Saturday morning in October. We interviewed our guest, Kim Ballard, back in early, early September. But we're here, we're drinking our tea and our coffee to wake us up. But Carrie, what are you reading? So I just finished an audiobook. The book is called In the Garden of Beasts, Love, Terror, and an American Family in Hitler's Berlin. And it's written by Eric Larson. Mm, Devil of the White City. Yes, Devil in the White City. So this book had actually been recommended to me by a middle school, high school, I mean middle school, gosh, see, brain not working. (laughs) Saturday morning. On a Saturday morning. A middle school social studies teacher. When I was reading Devil in the White City during planning, and so I was reading, and he came in and saw that I was reading Eric Larson, and he recommended this book to me and said it was really good. So I found it as an audiobook, and it tells the story of William Dodd, who was an American ambassador to Germany in the 1930s, like around 1933, and he and his family moved to Berlin so that he can do his job as ambassador. And so it tells the story of this family and how they are starting to see the Nazi regime come into power. So it's a slow burn because at first they don't really see a problem with what's going on. And his daughter, who's she's in her 20s, in the beginning, she actually supports the Nazis. And she dates any number of Nazi uh, soldiers. But within a few years, as things get worse and worse and worse, it dawns on them like, oh, this is really bad. And it's only going to get worse. And so William Dodd, he, he sort of warned the American diplomats and the State Department of what was going on. And he was kind of ignored. He was originally like a history professor in Chicago. And so I think that he didn't meet the the MO of what a, a State Department ambassador should be. And mm-hmm. so I think he was kind of ignored. But it was really interesting. I don't know, you know, I kept thinking as I was reading this, comparing it to Devil in the White City. And I feel like I like that book better, but it could be because that was just more sensational, I guess, because it was about a serial killer. Yeah. But this I found really interesting, just thinking about the Nazis, we think, oh, how could people have not realized how bad this was? But I think it was easier than we realize uh, because it wasn't like they just immediately happen overnight. It didn't happen in one day. Right. It didn't happen overnight. And I kind of forget what economic situation Germany was in at that time. Not that that excuses anything, but they were economically fragile because of World War One and, and a lot of other things. So it made it easier for someone like Hitler to start gaining power. It was interesting. I mean, I felt like I learned a lot. All of this takes place before really you even get into the, you know, the whole concentration camps and all that. So it's preceding okay. that. So if, if you're squeamish about reading about the Holocaust, that's not what this is about. This is the buildup to that. Like this was in the early, early stages before they were really taking the Jews and putting them in ghettos and transporting them to concentration camps. So... So you listen to it by audio. Mm -hmm. Devil in the White City is one of my all-time favorite books. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I could listen to it on audio. Mm -hmm. 
because there are parts of it that are dense, full of a lot of detail. How mm-hmm. did you find this on audio? Um, you know, I didn't think it was bad at all. One of the things I liked about it actually is the way it had the chapters broken up. There were like 125 chapters on audiobook. Um, but really, I think there were only 50 chapters in the book. So I felt like just the way they had it broken up, they were in kind of smaller increments. And so I felt like it was easily digestible. But I do feel like I retained a lot of the story and some of the people actually that I've thought about doing a little research on because I had never heard of them. And they played a pretty important role in the early development of the Nazi party, or they spoke out against the Nazi party and somehow managed to live, even though they had had done so. I didn't feel like the Mm -hmm. facts were overwhelming. And one of the nice things I feel about Larson is he's able to tell a story and give, give lots of factual information, but it doesn't feel like like a textbook. Right. So I I feel like that's one of his strong points. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good. I mean, I I definitely recommend it, especially if you're interested in that. Like I said, it had come highly recommended to me. So how about you? What have you been reading? Well, I'm still on my October Halloween reads. It's a book that I started in early October, but it's a collection of short stories by Ray Bradbury called The October Country. And one of the things I do like about reading a collection of short stories is that, especially for the whole month of October, I can just like read a couple stories here, read a couple stories there, and I can dip in and out. So that's been nice. I'm almost done with it. This collection of stories was published in 1999, although most of the stories were written in the 1940s and 50s. He's mainly thought of as a science fiction writer, although he did write some horror and he wrote some fantasy and he was a screenwriter in Hollywood. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. In fact, some of his screenplays were nominated for Oscars and and Emmys. Hmm. And he adapted some of his short stories for a TV series back in the 80s called The Ray Bradbury Theater. And I kind of want to Google that and go back and see if I, maybe on YouTube, I can find some of these episodes. I was too into Duran Duran at that time. (laughs) Well, no, I never watched them at the time. But... After reading this book, so many of his stories have sort of a Twilight Zone feel to them that I would be interested to to go back and watch some of those episodes. But he was awarded the Pulitzer Prize in 2007 for his contribution to American literature. So, I did not know that. Yeah. So he's he's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, you'll find this interesting because I know that you read Something Wicked This Way Comes mm-hmm. a month or two ago. He first started writing after a childhood encounter with a carnival magician named Mr. Electrico. I feel like that's one of the names of the characters. It may be. But he said it made such an impression on him that after that, he wrote every day for the rest of his life. Wow. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and something wicked this way comes is all about a carnival. Right. And there's several stories in this book that are about a carnival. And... I think that that's not an uncommon theme for a lot of horror writers. I mean, Stephen King has several books or short stories that are about a carnival. There's something, I guess, kind of creepy about a carnival, the fun house, the, the, you know, the freak shows, that kind of thing. All of the stories in here, there's 19 of them. They're all sort of dark or have a creepy twist. Some of them are related to the fall season, um, or some of them are, like I said, just have sort of a twilight zone feel about them. 
There's a story in here called The Little Assassin that's about a new mother who becomes, from the outside, she appears paranoid. She had a very difficult labor and delivery. She had a cesarean section. And from then on, she thinks her baby is watching her and trying to kill her. So that's one of the stories. There's a story about a dwarf who goes to the boardwalk carnival every day, pays his money to go into the funhouse just so that he can go look at himself in one of the crazy mirrors and it makes him look tall and thin and then one day one of the carnival workers sends him his own fun mirror but it's not the same kind of mirror and it sends the dwarf into madness <laughs> you're giving my me eyes a funny are really look. Yeah, yeah i'm like wow my favorite story is a this is going to be no surprise to you, is a story about a boy and his dog. And the story is called The Emissary. The boy is chronically ill and he's bedridden, but he has this dog. And the dog goes off into the world every day and goes exploring for him. And when he comes back, the boy can smell all, all the adventures that he's had on him. And then one day he brings back something that the boy wishes that he hadn't. But I'm going to read to you just a small snippet of this because one thing I think it illustrates is that he really has a amazing use of metaphor and simile. So I'm going to read this little passage to you. And this really is the epitome of the title, The October Country. Martin knew it was autumn again, for dog ran into the house bringing wind and frost and a smell of apples turned to cider under trees. And dark clock springs of hair, dog fetched goldenrod, dust of farewell summer, acorn husk, hair of squirrel, feather of departed robin, sawdust from fresh-cut cordwood, and leaves like charcoals shaken from a blaze of maple trees. Dog jumped, showers of brittle fern, blackberry vine, marsh grass sprang over the bed where Martin shouted, no doubt, no doubt of it at all, this incredible beast was October. That's awesome. I, just, I love the sensory, just the, the description. Yeah. I mean, that is autumn. Everything yes. he describes yes. is... Totally anyway, odd. I thought that passage was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think every story is quite as sensory mm -hmm, as that, mm -hmm. but that one was my favorite. Yeah. I am really enjoying this book. My only complaint is that the roles of women are very traditional for their time of the 1940s and 50s. They're more like periphery characters, and he doesn't flesh them out a lot. I don't know. He was a man of his time, and as much as maybe I don't like that... I also think that he wasn't the only one, and so right that was sort of I, so I can kind of let that go for, appropriate for his for time. time for his time. So I can kind of let that go, and I can enjoy these stories for what they are. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes for any episode, please go to our blog site at www.perksofbeingabooklover.com. Follow us on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover and on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod to see what we're up to and when new episodes air. If you enjoy our show, spread the word and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other listeners find us. Finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots, community-based radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.